Praise the Lord. Elaine and I are super glad to be here again today. Um, we're also glad to report that God opened the door, and next month I'll be heading back to Nepal. So we're, we're thankful for that. We've done projects in Nepal before and in the past, and uh, God opened that door. And I got a phone call a month or so back asking me to accompany someone that my dad used to go to Nepal with on a trip to Nepal. So it's been over a year since we've been overseas, and I'm super excited to get back to Asia. But this morning, I'm happy to be here with you. I'm happy that Pastor Dave asked me to, to cover the pulpit for him, and I feel like God's put something on my heart. And uh, the this title that I gave to the message is Follow Me. Follow Me. And that I was really encouraged because the first song this morning is about when you called my name. So praise the Lord. He has a, a word of encouragement for all of us. So let's just ask him for help as we bring the message. Lord, I'm just grateful for your goodness. I'm grateful for this morning. Lord, I'm grateful that you have called our names. Lord, that you've called each and every one of us to follow you. Lord, I ask that you would just speak to each and every one of our hearts as we look at your word. Lord, as we look at your plans and your purpose, your destiny, Lord, I pray that an excitement would build in our hearts, Lord, for our part in your kingdom, for our place in your plan, Lord Jesus, that, that we would just, we would be just revived in our heart with a sense of all that you have for us to do and why we were created. And we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for every person here, Lord. We pray a special blessing on the children's ministry and the kids as they're out there, Lord, and, and a special blessing on us and again on Pastor Dave and Missy as they're, Lord, with their family. And we just thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, what do you think of when you hear this phrase, follow me, follow me? And, and I took it from Mark chapter 2 and verse 14. I'm going to warn you in advance. I, I sort of got a whole bunch of scripture slides today. So if, if it seems like when you come out here and say, boy, Bob sure shared a lot of scriptures, it, it, you're, you're right. So I'm just warning you in advance we got a lot of scripture slides. But the thing is, is that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And when the Word of God, when we read it, it goes into our hearts as seeds. So I, I, I would just rather err on showing more scriptures and knowing that that's more quick and powerful than, than any words I have to say. So, so anyways, Mark 2.14 says, And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. You know, in every single one of the Gospel accounts, it records Jesus walking up to somebody and saying, follow me. For, for Peter and, and Andrew, Jesus walked up and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I know a lot of people in this church can relate to that. Amen? You know, he said it to Matthew. He said it to Philip. He said it individually. There's times in the Gospel accounts where he said it to all the disciples again. Hey, follow me. He said it at the very beginning when he first called them, and then at the very end of his ministry, when he appeared to Peter again at the end, after everything had happened, and after Peter had denied Jesus three times, when Jesus appeared to Peter to restore him, he said it twice to Peter again at the very end. Peter, follow 
me. The Hebrew word for follow means to be in the same way with. It means to accompany or to join one as a disciple. And I'm sure you've heard sermons on this before. And, uh, you know, maybe you've, I don't know, has anybody here been watching that, that recent online sermon or series called The Chosen? The Chosen. And, and what it is is it's a series where basically it's sort of like a modern remake of the Jesus movie and they're sort of doing it episode by episode. It's a portrayal of what it might have been like to be one of Jesus' disciples, what it might have been like during that time to follow him. And, and I don't know, if you're like me and you grew up in kids' Sunday school, they, they taught you about the disciples and they taught about what it was like. And maybe you imagined what it would have been like for Jesus to walk up to you way back then and say, follow me. To leave everything and, and, and for three and a half years follow Jesus. And, and the thing about that is, imagine if you were following Jesus and Jesus sent you to get water, because then you wouldn't be just you wouldn't be just fetching water, but you'd be getting water for Jesus. You know what I mean? I mean, I mean, they cooked by campfire back then, right? They cooked with wood. They still cook with wood in a lot of countries of the world. And so the reality is, as part of following Jesus and probably being his disciple, was they probably had to go get wood. But, but you weren't just getting wood. You weren't just getting firewood. You were getting wood for Jesus. You, you weren't just cooking food. You were cooking food for Jesus. And, and I've thought about that. Imagine everything that you did as a disciple of Jesus for three and a half years. You weren't just doing it. You were doing it. For Jesus. It meant going to the market. It meant going to the seashore. It meant paying taxes. It meant going to church. It meant going to secluded places. It meant going on boats. It meant waiting by a well. It meant a lot of everyday things. And, and honestly, it meant a lot of plain old work. But all these things were attached to something. They were attached to Jesus and they were attached to divine appointments that God had for them. So, for me, it's really neat to think about that. But I think it's even more important for us to think, what does it mean in 2021 to follow me? What does it mean in 2021 to follow me? Take away the landscape of Israel Take away the robes that they wore and the sandals and the towels on their heads. Take away the traveling by walking or the crossing the sea by rowing a boat. What does it mean in 2021 to follow me? In a world still recovering from pandemic, social distancing, a world of internet and computer technology, now we wear tennis shoes and baseball hats, there's cars and planes and spaceships. It's a very, very different world, even compared to how our grandparents grew up, even for a lot of us, even from just a couple of years ago. Thousands of years have passed, empires have risen and fallen, and the world has dramatically changed. But what it means for us to follow Jesus in many ways is amazingly similar to what it was back then. 
For starters, following Jesus is not a one-time decision, but a way of life. It's a way of life. Jesus didn't... It's interesting. When Satan came to Jesus to tempt him, Jesus or Satan said to Jesus, bow down to me and serve me. Right? That was what Satan said to Jesus. But we don't have recorded in the Gospels where Jesus said to any of his disciples to bow down to him. He told them, follow me. It wasn't a one-time action. It was a way of life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the way denotes journey. Now, there's a more common phrase today, this is the way. And uh, for those of you who are familiar with Mandalorians, it's not original with Mandalorians, right? Because it comes from the Gospels. That the way denotes journey. Jesus' salvation is not just an afterlife insurance policy, but it's the way. It's the way to live life from today right into eternity. Following Jesus is not only what we believe, but it includes doing. It includes doing. We're going to look at Acts 10, verse 37 and 38. Acts 10, 37 and 38. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with Him. He went about... What did it mean to be a follower of Jesus 2,000 years ago? It meant that you were with Him when He went about doing good. And that's what it means also to be a follower of Jesus in 2021. 1 Peter 2, verse 15-17. to For this is the will of God. You know... We teach at Bible schools overseas, and, and part of the thing that we teach usually when it's the beginning of a school year is what's God's will for your life? What's your calling? And, and this is something that a lot of people have questions about in life. What, what's my calling? What's God's will for my life? Well, we're going to see this morning that there's some things, callings and God's wills that's specific to each one of us, but there's some things that are general to everybody. And one of those things that's general to everybody is this. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, of foolish people. And how do we do this? Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. This is the will of God for each and every one of us, that by doing good, we would put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. There's a, there's a lot of things in this world that I think could stand to be put to silence, but the biggest thing that's going to do it is not just going to be our words, but it's going to be our actions. It's going to be our actions. How is the world going to recognize it? Well, in Matthew 5.16... It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works 
and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Again, back in Sunday school, back when we were little, we sang that this little light of mine song. I'm going to let it shine. The world is getting darker and darker, and the, 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 the contrast between the darkness of the world and the light of the gospel is getting greater and greater. And how is the world going to recognize that light? Well, Jesus tells us that they will see our good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven. We're not saved by works, but they are an expression of the response we have to our faith. So let's go to Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. One of the most well-known verses on grace and faith and works. It says in Ephesians 2, 8, For you, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no, man, no one may boast. And so many people stop right there. So many people stop right there and don't read the rest of the Scripture. Don't read the whole context. Yes, we're saved by grace. We're saved by faith. There's no work in this world we could ever do to earn our salvation. But, if you keep reading to the next verse, for we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're not saved by good works but we're saved for good works. Each and every one of us, God's called us. He's called our name. We're called to follow Him, to be His disciples. And it says that God prepared beforehand. Before we were born, He knew you. He knew your name. He had a plan for your life and He had a destiny and He had good works for you to do. Your calling isn't just a one thing that one point at the end of your life you achieve this one status, like achieving a, a degree from college. But it's an everyday journey of saying, Lord, what's your work for me today? This is what it means to follow Jesus. So there's this tension between faith and works. And James describes it. It's like two sides to a coin. It's like two pedals of a bicycle. And in James chapter 2, in verse 14 to 17, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. You know, all those disciples that followed Jesus, yeah, they followed Him and they believed in Him, but, but they also had things that Jesus had them doing all the time. He sent them out. He had them doing things. And the purpose of Scripture is not to put pressure on us. It's not to put feelings of inadequacy or condemnation on us. But the purpose of Scripture is to fill us with a sense of purpose. That you're important, that you're needed, that you are seeing people in your life every day that maybe you're the only Christian who has a chance to speak into their life, to speak blessing into their life. Maybe you're the only kind word they get that day. Maybe you're the only encouragement. Maybe you're the only bright spot. God created you to be an extension of His love. 
You're His ambassador. So in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, it says, And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and to good works. That's what I'm hoping to do today with the message. I'm hoping to stir you up to love and to good works, because that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Hebrews 13 and 16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So how about the book of Titus? The book of Titus is only three chapters long, and uh, it was written by Paul. And the Apostle Paul is the one who said, Follow me as I follow Christ. And when you look at the verses that he repeats over and over again, you see that he's definitely trying to emphasize something in the book of Titus. What does it mean, follow me as I follow Christ? Titus 2, verse 7 and 8. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. You see, in our Christian walk, yeah, we think about praying, we think about worship, we think about praise, we think about spiritual things, but sometimes, if you're like me, it's easy to forget that just the everyday things, just the, that, that there's physical needs as well as spiritual needs. And the everyday physical things are really just as spiritual as the things sometimes we title spiritual. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. The Bible tells us over and over again that it's what we do that's going to shine a brighter light than anything that we can say. Titus 2, 13 and 14, Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing in the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for Himself a people for His own possession, who are zealous for good works. This is God's purpose for us. Titus chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy to all people. This is a huge one in our culture today. Man, it seems like courtesy has gone out the window. People are angry. People are on edge. I talked to a guy yesterday morning at breakfast who works at at Tractor Supply Company, and he said never in his life has he had so many people come in the store just yelling and angry. Part of us, part of following Jesus, part of letting our light shine today and, and being good works is just simply... Not speaking evil of people and avoiding quarreling and being courteous and being gentle. Titus 3.8 This saying is trustworthy and I want you to insist on these things. That's a pretty strong statement. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works because these things are excellent and profitable for people. Again, Titus is only three chapters long, and you get to the second to the last verse in the book of Titus, and this is how Paul ends it out before saying goodbye. 
Titus 3.14, and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help in cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. It's interesting to me in the book of Revelation, there was the seven churches, and the five of those churches, it starts out by saying, I know your works. I know your works. We're saved by grace through faith, not by our works. But on the same hand, we can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. And part of the eternal purposes and plans of God for our life is that we are a living expression of the Father's love on this earth. So this is what it means to follow Jesus. This is what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus told us the greatest commandments are to love God and to love our neighbor. What does it mean to do the works of Jesus? What does it mean in 2021 to do the works of Jesus? You know, I think there's so often in my life when I think of the works of Jesus, I, I think of him like multiplying bread. I think of him telling, cast the net on the other side and get the whole net full of fish. I wish I could do that work of Jesus. Um, there's, there's lots of miracles Jesus did, and so often we get so caught up in everything we can't do that uh, we sort of sidestep all those everyday things that we could be doing. If you're like me, I'll, I'll speak for myself. And, you know, I, I thought about an example of, of basketball. You know, people are awed by slam dunks and three-pointers and fancy dribbling and footwork and all this stuff. But before you get to all that, what about passing? You know, if someone didn't pass that guy that ball, he could never make the slam dunk. What about free throws? You know, it's nice to make the three-pointers, but if you're called up on a foul and you can't make a, a shot from the, from the free-throw line... I heard a story of one coach who got to this team and he said, we're going to start all over. And this was a professional team. He says, we're going to start by, I'm going to show you how to tie your shoelaces. Because obviously they had had an issue with that in one of their games. And in all of life, doing what we can do is the building block and the stepping stone to what God has next for us. This week I got a letter from my, from my nephew Andrew, and he is serving in Nepal right now with YWAM. And, and basically he was out of the country for a year, and they had a little window to get in, and so he got back in the beginning of the year, and then they went back down on lockdown for several months. And so he wrote in this newsletter, which thankfully now they're open back up, but he wrote, in seasons like this lockdown, it seems like all we could do is little things. So often I want to see great things, but if we're not willing to serve faithfully in the small moments, we may never see the great ones. Wow. Wow. I, I know for, for, as missionaries, our large-scale vision is to be an impact in the nation. For all of us as believers, for this church, our large-scale is to affect this community and, and, and for our state and for our nation. Again, speaking as a missionary, a lot of the things seem to be put on pause, but yet we can still achieve things one person at a time. One person. I might not be able to be in the Philippines right now having a seminar with a hundred pastors, but every week, every day, I can be zooming a pastor, I can be messaging a pastor, I can be encouraging someone, and and each and every one of us. There's so much 
that we can look at what we can't do or we can say, Lord, what can I do today? What simple thing, what little thing, little things that add up to be big things can I do today? What does it mean for me to follow you today? It's related to service. It's related to serving. It's related to being a servant. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. So in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 and 25, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You know, we might not be able to multiply bread for 3,000 or 5,000 people, but we can invite somebody over for a barbecue. Invite somebody over with the express purpose of, I want to encourage them in the Lord. You know, I just want to be an encouragement. I just want to be a blessing to them. I just want to speak hope into their life. I know they're going through a hard time. I just want to get to know them so that, so that I can see how I can be a blessing to them. We may not have financial resources, but God gave each and every one of us a smile. That's why I'm so glad that this mask thing is lifting in Michigan, because we can see people smile again. God gave us all a mouth to speak blessing, to speak encouragement, and to speak hope. To follow Jesus and to do good works, it involves praying for people. Each and every one of us, every day, we can be praying for somebody. You can pray for somebody you've never even met. You can see somebody walking by in the street, and sometimes you see the pain in their face. Sometimes you see that they're obviously struggling with something. Sometimes it's somebody you just talk to, and they express some of their pain. But we can pray for that person. Jesus went around praying for a lot of people. Jesus told Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. So, smiling, blessing, praying, helping, showing love. What does it mean to do the works of Jesus? How does this apply to each one of us in our everyday lives? This exact same way that it did for the disciples 2,000 years ago. By realizing that everyday aspects of our everyday lives are connected to Jesus. You're not just working at your job. God has you there on assignment. You're not just raising your kids. Your family is your calling. You're not just interacting with others in your community. You're the salt. You're the light. You're the extension of God's love to them. You are doing it for Jesus in the same way. And that's where I need help. And that's the thing that I tend to forget on a day-to-day basis, that I might not be one of those disciples 2,000 years ago who for three and a half years was with Jesus every day and every single thing I did, gathering wood or getting water or cooking or going to the market, was for Jesus. But yet, still, as a follower of Jesus today, I need to remind myself that everything I'm doing is for Jesus because it's either advancing His kingdom or I'm a reflection of Him in everything I do. If you're like me, you already know this, but sometimes it's good to be reminded. God's been reminding me. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a, at a car dealership because uh, a friend of mine from 
was going to help me with my daughter's Jeep. And I was waiting for him, and he had an appointment ahead of me. And because he was doing me a favor, I just thought, I'm just going to sit here and be quiet and wait until he's done with that other customer. And so what's the first thing we do? We pull out our phone and flip up a game and say, well, who cares if I'm waiting for five or ten minutes? I'll just play this game on my phone. And uh, the next thing I know, the lady sitting right there is talking to me, the lady at the desk. Um, I, I had already told her I was waiting for Ben, but then all of a sudden she just starts talking to me and asking questions. And uh, it's almost like the Holy Spirit's like knocking on my little head saying, Bob, Bob, you know, you know that prayer you pray every morning? Lord, use me. Lord, give me an opportunity to speak to somebody. Give me an opportunity to show your love or to show your light. And here I am at the car dealership waiting for somebody, playing on my phone, and, and, and this lady's talking to me, and the, and the Holy Spirit's like, put down your phone and talk to the lady. This is what it means to follow Jesus. It's interesting. I had a good conversation with her, and then this other guy came in, and I had a conversation with him about missions. It's be aware, being aware of what God is doing around us and engaging. John 5, verse 17 Jesus answered them, My Father is working, and until now, and I am working. My Father is working until now, and I am working. The reality is, God just doesn't ask us to work. God Himself is working. This goes all the way back to creation, doesn't it? In Genesis, on the seventh day, it says that God finished His work that He had done and rested on the seventh day from his work that he had done. The Bible starts out from the very beginning with God working, and then the Bible took man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So the story of the Bible from the very beginning is that God is always working and that he has work for us to do as well. He's always working around us. Are we recognizing what He's doing in our lives and in the people around us? And are we joining Him in His work? You know, this English word follow, follow, you imagine yourself in elementary school in a big line and you're just going behind the person in front of you, right? But to be a disciple of Jesus, when Jesus said, follow me, He didn't want just a a one after another line of people, but He was looking for people who would join Him, would join Him in his work. John 4.34 Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. That's when he was waiting by the well and the disciples ran for food and he started talking to that Samaritan. And at the end of Jesus' life, right before he was betrayed, Jesus said, I In his prayer, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus realized that his calling was about work, that there was huge spiritual things going on, but those huge spiritual things involved everyday physical actions and work. John 5.19, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. 
So the key to Jesus being so productive was that he was doing exactly what he was supposed to do. The key was knowing what he was supposed to do. And that came from his relationship with God. That came to just being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, being open and being watching. And, and it, it, it's kind of like hunting. Uh, if, you're, if you're paying attention, you're likely to see a lot more things than if you're, you're watching a movie from your, from your blind. And it's the same thing for us in our, in our everyday life, that if we're paying attention, if we're looking, if we're expectant, God is going to show us opportunities, opportunities to reach out to others. There's an excellent book that's called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, and it's been out for a long time. But the basic premise of the book is that God is always working around us. It's not an issue of is there something to do or if there's something to do, but it's an issue of will we recognize what he's doing around it around us and are we responding to what he's doing around us by joining him so again i want to encourage you that god created each and every one of us for a destiny and a purpose that involves every day of our life and his destiny is not as much one big defining event as it is a series of everyday decisions a series of daily obediences and recognizing how God is working around us and responding to that and jumping in. What each and every one of you do every day is important. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? What each and every one of you do every day is important. You know, it's interesting to me that there's lots of times in Scriptures where it says that Jesus went to the synagogue. So Jesus went to church. We're, we're commanded to go to church I'm so thankful for church. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. But Scripture also records many times where Jesus did things outside the church. And I think as followers of Jesus, and as the church in general, and for me growing up in church, I tended to have two boxes. The church box where everything we did in church is in this box, and then there's the whole rest of our life. And my whole life has been a process of taking the walls down between those two boxes because the disciples of Jesus realized that everything they did inside a church or outside a church was still a reflection of Jesus. Worship is not just Sunday morning songs. Ministry is not just what's done within the four walls of the church. It's a talk about our gifting and callings to the most unlikely people in the most unlikely places. When you think about the people that Jesus actually said, follow me to, how many times was he standing in church? Or where does it record in the Gospels that there was an altar call at the end of the service and Jesus raised his hand and said, follow me? Actually, the, the things that jump to my mind is where Jesus was at the tax collector's booth. I, I mean... We, we don't understand the full implication of that in our day, but that, that was something wicked going on there for an Israelite to join with the Romans and be taxing his own people. It violated the laws of Moses. It was an unlikely person in an unlikely place. When Jesus was by the seashore and there was these fishermen, they were rough dudes. They weren't the learned and educated scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees and lawyers. Jesus didn't go to the rabbinical schools to look for disciples. 
He looked for unlikely people in unlikely places. And the reason I'm telling you this is because every day in your life, you come in contact with unlikely people in unlikely places. And this is what it means to be a disciple, is to see those people and see where God is working in their lives and join in and jump in and say, God, how can I join you in showing your love to unlikely people in unlikely places? 1 Corinthians 15.58 Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. 2 Corinthians 9.8 And God is able to make His all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, so we see your grace and we see all, 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 you may abound to every good work. God's going to help us. All we have to do is have a willing heart, and God will give us all sufficiency and all grace in all times for all things. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. There was a time where I worked in a factory, and it was a tough job, and we would be under a lot of stress. And I was in the back, and there was this guy who was a Christian in the office, and he would come back and see me in the back in the shop, and he would see me just up to my ears in alligators and about ready to lose it. And he would say, remember, Bob McCoy, we work for the Lord. You know, he would quote the Scripture, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord. I needed that. It was my reminder. I, we do work for the Lord, not for men. 2 Timothy 3.17 is that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Well, that's sort of halfway through the sentence because 2 Timothy 3.16 is where it tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and reproof and correction and instruction and in righteousness. All of Scripture was given to give us everything we need to be equipped for every good work. God has something for you to do today and every day. Matthew 7.21 Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Following Jesus involves doing. Following Jesus Involves includes suffering too. Let's look at First Peter two twenty. What credit is it if when you do when you sin and are beaten for it you endure? But when you do good and suffer for it, if you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called. Here's another one of those things where every one of us are called to, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in His steps. So in these two verses, again, we see a connection between doing good and following in His steps. And I just want to encourage you today that if you're like me, there's been times in your life where they've reached, you've reached out to do good to people and it seems like you got smacked right in the face. There's that old saying, no good deed goes unpunished, Right? But the reality is, it's sometimes when, when we do that, sometimes when we reach out and, and we are smacked in the face, it makes you think twice the next time. But we just have to realize that just because it involves suffering didn't mean it wasn't God's will. 
just because it involved suffering, didn't mean that you didn't do exactly what Jesus asked you to do that day. It's just that in this life, sometimes there's suffering. So in closing, I'd like to read a scripture. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 40. It says, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly, truly, I say to you, as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. Amen? This is what it means in 2021 to follow Jesus. Let's stand and pray. Hallelujah. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank You for today. Lord, we thank You that You did call us each by name, Lord. Lord, we thank You that we're just not another brick in the wall, Lord, but that we're uniquely and individually qualified to show the love of God to people around us. Lord, starting in our homes, starting with our families and reaching out, Lord, in the church and in our community and in our jobs. Lord, everywhere we go to unlikely people in unlikely places, Lord, help us to recognize our place, our place in Your kingdom and the opportunities around us to show Your love. Lord, help us to remember, Lord, that each and every day that as we wake up and go about our life, we're following You. We're serving You. Not, not just in our church-related activities, but in our everyday activities. Lord, help us to recognize divine appointments. Help us to, to recognize the, the, the needs and the people around us, Lord, so that we can pray for them. Lord, so that we can speak encouragement and hope to them. Lord, so that we can point them to Your love. Lord, I pray that for each and every one of us that others would see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. We thank You for today. We thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your goodness. And we just pray a blessing on each and every one here. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.